he had this leather coat on. Lift is everywhere. And he's got a six inch stiletto knife. And it's me and 15 of Milton's fighters. And whilst I'm contemplating what I'm going to do, they start singing No One Likes Us in the middle of 8,000 miles. So they're like, No One Likes Us. No One Likes Us. And I'm like, No One Likes Us. I'm going to die. Hello and welcome back to The Andy Rowe Show. In 1995, the movie ID was released, one of the original movies on English football hooliganism. James Bannon is about to give you the full, true story behind the movie. James was an undercover cop who infiltrated the notorious Millwall firm and made his way all the way to the top of the organisation. James led a double life, getting in fights, getting arrested, getting found out, and even falling in love. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we start, a massive thank you to our sponsor this week, Sons, who helped make this show happen. One in four people suffer from gut health issues like IBS, abdominal pain, gas, and bloating. Gut health is vital to your general wellness, with 70% of your immune system located there. So if you have gut health issues or just looking to optimize your gut health, Sons have the solution. Sun's live bacteria supplement is clinically proven to treat digestive troubles and improve your gut health. It's backed up by over 50 clinical trials. I've been using it and I can't speak highly enough of the difference it's made. Check it out at suns.co.uk and use the code ANDY25 to get 25 quid off your first order. Your gut will thank you and you'll also be supporting the podcast and the work we do, which is always much appreciated. James Bannon, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Pleasure. Uh, your book's outrageous. Thank it's you. Such such a good book. I was just talking about how, like, constantly I was reading through it and freaking out. Yeah. Like, what the fuck's going to happen next? What's what's Jim from Wandsworth going to do next? Are these guys going to cap- like suss you out and capture you? Like, the whole way through, you're just turning the page, just going what the hell is happening here and why is this guy not shitting his pants? Well, it was. And as I say, it's a, yeah, um, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a daily roller coaster. A bit. Yeah, and you've got to remember, when you're doing something like that, it's, you know, it's not something you can train for. It's no. like, you know, so you don't go on a course and suddenly they go, oh, you know, you're an undercover policeman now, you can go out and do that. In fact, we didn't get any training at all. In fact, we didn't even get very much of anything. But it's... Um, yeah, you just it's a case of living by your wits and trying to do the best job that you can. You definitely got to have some wits about you. Let's wind the clock back yeah. and go to you getting into the police force for a start because I mean your dad was a cop, but you were hardly police officer material, weren't you? A little shit getting into all sorts of trouble before you got into the police force. Yeah. I come from South London, grew up on an estate in South London with mates who um, you know, we had a we had a really, really good good childhood. It was great. You know, we lived in the 70s. It was just, you know, we just get up at, go out at eight o'clock, come back when it was tea time, you know, and just and just live a life, really. Mm. And it was great. I mean, I wouldn't change any of it. And they were just the best of friends, really. And mm. they still are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I um, I had a choice, I think. I was either, I was going to either go one way or the other, I think. I'd walk in the fence and it was like, what way do I go? Do I go this way or that way? And so I joined the police cadets. Mm. when I was 16 to sort of piss my dad off really because he said I wouldn't amount to anything so I sort of thought well, okay so I joined the police cadets and said oh look they'll even have me <laughs> so, hey, uh, hard, dad. so yeah so it was um, there you go it's not that difficult how did you get into undercover work 
So um, I was working on crime squads and then the opportunity came to work in this environment. I got called up to the yard, went up, did an interview, didn't really know what it was about. To Scotland Yard. Yeah, so I came back and then um, the next thing I just got a note saying, you're, you've been selected, you're going to work, you're to report with Broccoli Police Station at this time and you're going to be working undercover, infiltrating Millwall football hooligans. You would expect and hope that you would get given some back story or you would be allowed, you know, so. But effectively, we were given nothing. You know, we didn't have a thing. I, had a, we, I think my, the only thing we had when we initially started was a business card, which had Jim Ford Spectrum decorating with an accommodation address in Croydon. And it's like, you know, trying to infiltrate. That was your undercover. That was it. That was it. That was your whole backstory. That's that was it. Jim from Wandsworth. So you go in, you meet, meet a load of, meet a, go into a pub that's heavily polluted with Millwall, and you'd walk in and it'd be Jim from Wandsworth. No one knows you. No one's ever seen you before. And your only um, way of introduction is you go, oh, by the way, here's my card. And they're looking for police they, they officers were, as well, weren't they? Um, they were on the lookout. Fortunately for us, what was happening is that there was an operation that was still running. So they either they were aware or they were of the fact that they, that they were going to, they weren't in as far as they needed to be in in the first operation and that they were going to be nicking people from on the fringes, which they did. And so perversely, we were sort of a ghost squad, for want of a better word, is that we were in while the other squad was in. So it made it a little bit easier because when they swooped and they all did, it felt like everybody, you know, they'd done their job. Mm-hmm. Where look, they didn't know was that we, you know, we was we were sort of in as the second wave. Oh, so when those that when those cops got um, busted by the Millwall fans, yeah, they the Millwall fans thought, oh, we've got that, we've got them, we got rid of old Bill. That that they, you know, they were still very cautious, clearly, mm-hmm. but I think that maybe that, that that did help us a little bit, right? In as much as that they weren't then looking, so you know, they then when they were looking, we were already we were already there, so we were already sort of ensconced by that time. Mm-hmm. We were we were we were. Faces that people recognised, and and what was like, what was your job primarily to obviously to infiltrate Millwall, but what what was it that the police actually wanted to get? So they wanted us to gather evidence for conspiracy to commit a fray, okay. assault, violence, violent dismiss, you know, violent a- anything that you in order that you could contain a trial enough evidence in order to have a trial in relation to offences that have been carried out consistently by people in relation to football offences. Okay. Okay. So you start the operation. Yeah. You go into one of those pubs. First night out. First night. So I'm working, bless him, he's not here anymore, but I was working with um, a sergeant who didn't really want to do that job. Wasn't really. And in his own defence, and um, we spoke about that after. It wasn't really his bag. Um, you know, he was he was more interested in a glass, you know, and we were all a glass of Chablis and catching the next wave. This was you know, an operation that he wasn't overly comfortable. And our first night out is, you know, he turned up looking like something out of Little Woods catalogue. It's just like, fuck, so, you know, I'm sort of trying. You try, there is a sort of, there is a style of, at that time there was a style of clothing. Yeah. And he's there in a pair of deck shoes and a pair of chinos and a fucking Ralph Lauren t-shirt. Not very Millwall, Just, 1980s. No, very south of France. <laughs> so I, 
Um, if you know, if we were infiltrating them down at the yacht fucking gang, it would have been all right, but we weren't. And um, I remember going outside, and he said, "I'll drive." And uh, I thought, okay, so I walked down, and he's got a bright red Mark II Golf GTI with a fucking surfboard strapped to the roof. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, off to the pub. So we drive down Park Up, uh, and I'm pretty nervous. So I'm shitting myself. Absolutely. Walking into into the pub, and I'm sort of you know we're walking, we're walking, we walk in, we walk up to we walk up to the bar get up to the bar and I'm like uh, and he's there and he's standing there and he went um, two halves of lager <laughs> I'm like oh, fucking what I went whoa 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 babe sorry we'll have can you make that two pints make that two I'm like, what the fuck are you doing drinking halves and he's like that well we're working I'm like fucking you have no idea I'm like oh, mate so we get our pints of lager and then he has this tendency because he wore glasses to stare and he fucking stared <laughs> okay so he's staring and i'm like in a millwall pub in a millwall pub full of millwall hooligans stop fucking staring it's like anyway next thing we're surrounded right we've been there fucking 20 minutes we're now surrounded it's like who are you oh yeah no, so, you know, oh, well you know I'm, I'm jim i'm from wandsworth and i'm like why and you know why and this and then we have these conversations and then for some reason, and I can only put this down to nerves, he just turned and looked at the biggest fucking hardest bloke and went, watch it, we're fucking Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just went, oh, for fuck's sake. It's like, you know, and I'd, I'd walked off. I'd, I'm, you know, I'd walked off and gone to the toilet and come back to all this shit. So I'd like gone there, standing there, I'm like, fucking hell, just get your fucking head to get, get, get your head together, get your head to it, it'll be fine. Come back and then it's, it's, it's all fucking gone on. It's, they're, they're surrounded. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. So we try really, really hard. Uh, and then they start questioning us. Who are we? And I'd done a lot of research. I'd really worked. One thing I could do is find out about Millwall. So I knew about, you know, I'd done, I did my research. I knew who the players were. I knew who the manager was. I knew where players had come from. I knew who'd, who'd started there, who hadn't. I knew, you know, I'd done my, done my bit. He hadn't done nothing. We end up with somebody saying, you know, they start talking about John Fashionu, who everyone knows in Forest Football is a, a black guy. And they started talking about the fact that Fashionu had been sold to Wimbledon. And um, he effectively, within the conversation, alluded to the fact that Fashionu was white. Chris did that. Yeah. And, uh, and then it just all kicked off. How did it kick off? Where? It just fucking, they just punched him and fucking was in straight in the head. It didn't, there was no fucking, oh, we're going to punch you. It just did what he did. It just kicked fucking off properly. And we were saved by the bouncers. So we were saved by the bouncers, thrown out of the pub onto the fucking thing, like, fuck off and don't come back. And we're like, right, okay. And so I'm standing there and I'm thinking, right, first night as a Millwall undercover hooligan, I've got a sergeant who thinks John Fashion is white. And I just had the shit kicked out of me. And we go back for our debrief. And I'm like, oh my God, you are going to have to fucking do some work, mate. And then the next day was our first away game, which was to Leeds. Back in the day, football, Leeds, Leeds had, an, had a proper tasty firm. They were proper tasty, the Leeds service crew. They were like, you know, there's a number of firms that were there, but they were one of them. Really? Yeah. We turn up, so we get in the football special, which is just... 
That's a train that goes train to Leeds. That takes you and it's just it's full, it's of full of Millwall. It's just full of football. That's it. And it's like the oldest, shittiest. I mean, you sit down and you're like engulfed in a puff of fucking dust. You know, the toilets don't work. The windows don't open. It's just, it's, it effectively is the shittiest, shittiest train that they can get. And then they just fill you up. We get there, we sit down, we get ourselves a coffee. Chris has fucking got a busted eye and his glasses are fucked. And I've got like fucking sore fucking jaw and it's fucking bruises on my back. And then um, we hear this, no one likes us. No one likes us, which is the Millwall anthem. Yeah. And I'm like, it's nine o'clock in the fucking morning at Euston Railway Station. And they come up. Right? And I remember sitting there and I turned around and went, oh, fucking it. And it's the geezers that beat the shit out of us the night before in the pub. Oh, no. And I'm just like, what do you do? Just, what do you do? We've got well, two options. You either shrink and walk away or you face it head on, which is what we did. They just sort of didn't accept us really, but they just left us alone. And so we just got on the train. And then while we were on the train, we met four, three guys who we ended up sort of becoming really friends with. Yeah, really good friends with. And, and we'll talk about that later because that's another part of being an undercover cop is like you started to form these relationships with people and like you were literally mentally leading a double life and you got so anyway we'll get we'll get into that because that's a big part of big part of your story as well isn't it yeah so you get to you get to Leeds and this is all new to you and how did that go down so we come in so it's West Yorkshire police um policing back then was really 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 fucking useless as in it was just aggressive and you've got to remember with football is that people that police football is you know you're into two categories you've got the cake eaters who drive a desk in the week who basically aren't interested and only work football on saturdays because it's overtime so they'll turn up and they're the big fat blokes who stand in the corner with a helmet that doesn't fit them anymore and a jacket that's a little bit too tight thinking, it's all right, I'm getting double time for today. And on Monday, I can go back and eat cake. And then you have the other side, which are the, which were at the time were called the TSG, which were the tactical support group, which were, if you weren't in the TSG, it was the thick and stupid group. Because it was just full of people that just wanted to fucking hit people. Yeah. Run around with riot shields and just bash people on the head. So policing football, that's not a good mix. you got a big, fat, lazy, cake-eating, desk-driving policeman. Yeah. And anyone, and anyone who looks out of space is going to get hit on the head with a truncheon. So they're your mix for football. So not great. No. And then you've got supporters who are, some of them are there for one reason alone, which is to have a fight. Not all, but some. So we come into Leeds and we get off and there is West Yorkshire's finest just in a line. And you look down and I'm walking and I'm looking down and there's, Fucking always one. There's always one that you look at and go, fucking hell. The slash peak, the fucking creases in the arms of his jacket, the bald boots, you know, and the fucking stain and the the chiseled jaw and all the stuff is standing there. And Millwall didn't endear themselves, I'm not going to lie, to the the West Yorkshire's finest. Mm. It's because we got off the train and their opening song was Did the Ripper Fuck Your Mum? Oh, jeez, oh, that is aggressive chanting. That's aggressive. But Millwall are, Millwall are famous for their aggressive chanting. They, and they still do. because At that time, everyone was aggressive. Yeah. It, was, it was aggressive, but it was, it was like making... The, it, was, it was just putting your marker down. 
yeah. is the way that you would look at it. And oh. this guy took, quite rightly, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe who knows? <laughs> just, you know, but he really did take exception to that. And he waded in. Biggest fucking mistake of his life. He waded in and got the fucking absolute. He just waded into the middle with his truncheon and his mates, whether they were his mates or not, didn't fucking follow him. And he got absolutely battered, like properly. What an idiot. And to the point where it's like, whoa, it's like, you just, yeah, it's just, you can just see it and it's, 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 it's hideous to watch. You're a cop at this point. What are He's you doing? You just, you just have to watch it. Hand on heart, he fucking deserved everything he got. He was a fucking prick. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? What do you expect? It's like, yes, is the song, is the song unnecessary? Yes. Is it aggressive? Yes. Is it really hurting anyone at that time? No. Wading in. And none of his mates, no one fucking stepped in. So he's obviously, he's obviously they obviously thought he was a prick too. So they're all going, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, fucking hell, it's Tony, the fucking, just leave him. He always gets fucking smashed. And he did. He got the fucking absolute, he got, he got stomped on and jumped on and we all, everyone just walked around him and then people come and dragged him and dragged him out. And we then got in the coaches to go to Ellen Road. And uh, not one window of the coach was left by the time we got there. Well, you were smashing the windows? No, no, no. Leeds were throwing things at it. So every window on that bus fucking went in. What were you, were you just crouching shitting, down hiding? Or shitting like? myself, lying on the floor with the sergeant going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Absolutely. We, the night before, we'd had the shit kicked out of us for... Um, it, for, uh, for, for his famous comment about fashion who. And then the, the next day we're lying on the floor with glass all around us on a bus that's being pelted from bridges and side streets and everything by lead supporters. And then we walked in and that was it. You walked out. This was my first experience. I mean, I'd been to football as a kid, but nothing. You walked in and it was just like, mm. not uplifting is not the right word. It was inspiring. You just walked in and went, well, okay, no, there's 1500. Because mm. a lot of, a lot of, lots, lots of driven which we were, was the best way to, to travel uh, after that game. Mm. And then they just sang for 90 minutes. Millwall did. For 90 minutes. You were on a tube at one point and you were, you were undercover and there was an incident at the start where you had to stay undercover but you really, really uh, wanted to... On a, uh, we were on a bus, actually. Oh, you were on a bus. So we were on a bus with a guy that we just got, we just got introduced to. And there was... A, Man sitting there with his wife and his two kids, and he had a Crystal Palace lapel pin on. And for no reason, the guy just punched him straight in the face, and then started wading into him in front of his kids and his wife and his kids. And I couldn't do anything initially. So only thing I could think to do was to stand on the seat and start singing "No One Likes Us" to try and stop him from doing what he was doing, which I did, and it worked. But what that then did is it's changed and split the focus. So it, split, it turned the focus on me. So I'm now singing No One Likes Us, you know, almost congratulating this guy for just attacking this in, innocent guy mm. on this bus. He's, obviously his wife and his kids were like screaming and and we got there. And I remember just them looking at me and I'm thinking, if only you knew <laughs> what I was trying to do, but you have no idea. To get acceptance, like, yeah, you, had, you had to, do that and you had to you had to go along with that stuff it was a crystal palace game where you really got acceptance into the or you started to get acceptance into the Millwall clan wasn't it you know we were outside and then one of the one of the guys 
got nicked and really got nicked for no, no, it was just a mounted police officer just grabbed hold of him and nicked him. And I ran and sort of grabbed him and we then, and this went fucking leg it and we ran into a, into the crowd and we all thing and I went, take your jacket off, turn your jacket round. And like, and he had one of those green, like Top Gun jacket, you know, the sort of aviated flying jackets on. Right. So I'm fucking running and I've got my jacket. So I used to wear dungarees all the time, which was, I think was a pretty, so I'd wear my dungarees. So because you're a painter and decorator. Well, no, I just wore them because I, there was, the first game we went to, there was a Leeds guy wearing them. One of the one of the football hooligans who had him, and he looked really fucking cool. And I thought, oh, I want to look like that. So I didn't look anything sure like him because he was like six foot three and really long. He looked great, you know. I was five foot nine, getting fat, but it was all right because I thought I was sort of living the dream. But they were really quick because what you could do is you could drop the bib, take your top off, put the bib back up, put your hood, put your hoodie back on, and he looked like you were just wearing jeans. So they'd be looking for somebody in a pair of dungarees, and you'd instantly be able to change your dress. Right, and the other thing is, is in CCTV, it's really easy and quick to pick someone out because nobody, not anyone else, is wearing them. So it was like I got that reputation. So, oh, it's so like, your it was a really surveillance good team, could yeah, it was a really good marker. Look for the guy in the dungarees. Why? Oh, he's one of the fucking main targets. Look for the guy because you'd never tell the opposing uh, police that you were uh, that, that you had undercover officers in. Right. Or if you did, you'd never tell them who they were. So you'd look for him. He's one of the ringleaders. And because then what that does is word word gets down. Watch him because he's a fucking lip. You know, he's one of the guys. He's one of the main guys. So you then get not special treatment, but they they're aware of who you are. So they're they're keeping your eye on you, which is good in two things really. Two ways is one is you get more attention from the old bill because they think you're a face for what I want a better word. And secondly, if anything disastrous ever did happen to you, you've actually got somebody who's looking at you for all the wrong reasons. But then go, what the fuck's going on here? But I turned round and the Martin has flipped his jacket around. It's fucking fluorescent orange. So he's gone from sort of slipping into the crowd, but we're running away from the old bill, to now being this like, I'm on a mountain, come and save me, fucking coat. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? So Shit. we had to get that off and I stuffed it down. But anyway, we got away with it. And so there was a, there was a, a slight level of acceptance after that. One of, the, one of the main guys that you wanted to get in with is a guy called Paul. Yeah. Can you tell me about him and why it was important to get in? So with Paul him? ran the pub. The puffin, as it's called in the book, uh, and he was effectively one of the main ringleaders and ran the pub, and was a really nice bloke, that proper nice bloke. But he would organise, you know, and was part and parcel of one one of the you know, sort of the Millwall top boys, really, for want of a better word. And we wanted to get in with him. So our plan for that was we started going in there at lunchtime and having a couple of beers. And a really stale, shitty sandwich, and then leaving in papers and decorators, overalls. Because no one goes in there at lunchtime. They only used to go in, mm-hmm. in that pub at lunchtime because it was a, a football pub. So, and then we got in with the with the barmaids, and one was his wife, and one was his sister-in-law. So it was his wife's sister. And ultimately, we ended up in a scenario where we just went in and went in and went in, and so we got known. So when we turned up for the first Millwall game, and we walked to the bar, and everyone looked at us, the barmaid. Just went, Jim, how are you? It's like, what do you want? Do you want your use? You're like, yes, please. No one batted an eyelid. Smart. Because we'd done two months of quite hard work of going in there at lunchtimes. Tough, tough work. It's really tough. It's food weren't great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and then somebody turned up and nicked his, nicked his like, patio furniture set from outside the pub and he went across the road to get them. It was a couple of pikes who'd nicked it and he'd recognised it anyway. They were, it was in the back of his van. 
and because they'd just taken it. And I ran out and backed him up. He just went get him out of the... And from that day on, he sort of realised that maybe that I was going to be all right. So, so you'd go to the Puffin before all the games, wouldn't you? Yeah. Most of the time. The weird thing is that sometimes fans would turn up and it wouldn't even be their game. But there was, there was a time when... Um, and it might have been Birmingham. I think Birmingham was in town. And, and so I was at the Crown, and I, I was at the, the the pub that was the next one up. Right. Which I can't remember what I called it in the in the book, but it was called the Crown and Anchor. Okay. So I was in the Crown and Anchor, which is now I think it's a Chinese restaurant. So we were there. We we're all outside, and this coach went past because it was a, it was a night game. It was an evening game. This coach went past, and everyone sort of ducked down. I'm like, fuck's going on with that? And then this Ed popped up. And looked behind, and it was clearly a football coach that had got lost. So I'm like looking at it, and then started to walk to follow it because I'm interested to in see where it's going. And it was like New Cross Road, so Old, Old Kent Road, then New Cross Road. So we were going down the New Cross Road. And it's one way system at that time, and the traffic was slow because it was it was evening, so it was we were in rush hour stuff. And the coach stopped, and I got, and then suddenly these four that sort of heads popped up. who were clearly clearly football. Yeah. And then it pulled off and then I started jogging and then it sped up and I sort of started running. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was this fucking massive like, Wah! behind me and I turned around and there's like a hundred mil <laughs> following me and I'm like, oh, fuck. And then it got to the pub, which was 400 yards further on, which was the Puffin. The bus stopped and they attacked the bus. All the Millwall fans attacked the Birmingham fans on the bus. And every window went in. And then they started to try and turn it over. They started rocking it. And it was like, and I'm like, and then all, I've got Paul then, this next to me, going, fucking blinded, looking like this, right? So we stop. And anyway, the police turn up en masse. And they come in all the transits and all the stuff. And we all move to the side. And then they get escorted. The bus gets escorted to the ground. Without it's all, in the movie, in without, ID, yeah, isn't it? So yeah, it's similar to that, yeah. yeah. So... The bus goes to the ground. Paul going, well, fuck, where the fuck have you, were you? I went, I'm saying, what are you doing drinking up there? I went, well, I was just meeting you. He went, you fucking drinking here from now on, all right? I went, yeah. And he went, this was all arranged. They were meant to pull up and be able to get off. And I'm like, all oh, right. He said, but some fucking dick, he said, has led a charge down the fucking Old Kent Road from the fucking Crown and Anchor. He went, who's that? And I went, yeah, that was me, yeah. I said, oh, well, I saw him. And he went, well, don't worry. And then we went into the Fox and that was sort of it, really. You mentioned earlier about the fear of also someone IDing you as a cop that knew you. Yeah. You were actually at a game and that happened, like a, an actual cop. Yeah. So there was a guy I was in the cadets with, Simon. So I was in, I was in the cadets with him. So he was three years, three, he's three and a half years. He'd actually passed his sergeant. So he was now a sergeant. And he, I walked in and he saw me. And this was like just the start of the next season. And... Um, there was a fucking ice cream van outside, so I bought everyone ice creams. Oh, I want a fucking ice cream. And everyone's found it hilarious, and I'm buying everyone. So we had fucking Mr. Whippy ice creams. So they're walking in, fucking to the thing. And I saw him, and he started coming towards me. And you know when you know someone recognises you, and they're going to come up, oh, mm. Jay, how are you, mate? How's things going? I'm like looking at him, and he's coming, and he's coming. And I thought, I've got to do something. Otherwise, he's going to fuck everything. So I fucking planted my ice cream straight, and he's straight at him. <laughs> So I just went like that with the ice cream. I said, what the fuck's this bloke want? Funk, done him with the ice cream. It's all, so I've fucking grabbed him. I've got down and I've just gone. 
straight to the floor and I've gone, I'm working, shut the fuck up, I'm working. And he's gone, oh, oh. we've got up. And anyway, the two, bless him, the spotters, so the guys that sort of followed me all around, all around the country. They knew you were undercover. Knew. Okay. Yeah. Swooped and just grabbed me and then were really physical with me. And then started going, you ain't going to go fucking way with this, you cocky little cunt, thinking coming down here, thinking you fucking own the place. Led me up, stuck me in. So I got nicked. And then, because I didn't see anyone until the next game. And it was like, I can't fucking believe it. I went, you fucking prick. So what the fuck do you think he's doing coming over? It's fucking, I mean, I weren't having that. Got away with it. Oh, it just, in, in, like, just enhanced your credibility with Millwall fans even more. Yeah. You got accused of being... Cop, they that you thought. So this was this was this was Chris at his best. We turned up. They changed. They changed. They we had pages at this by this time. By this time now, the we'd been fortunate that we started a relationship with Manchester coverts. So the Manchester um, Greater Manchester Police had a team that were infiltrating Manchester City. But this guy was just different gravy. He was leading the the coverts. We're talking like proper, and we're talking somebody who's like the top. Top of his game. He's like the James Bond. The top of his game, yeah, mate. And properly and deservedly too. Had been doing it for a long time and was really fucking good at it and had all the kit. Like that, everything. They had vans with compartments in it that you wouldn't know were there. They had properties with all everything up in the, in the they had two flats with the flat above that had all the listening device. They had, they had the whole lot. Mm. And it was all being done properly. Full proper fake ID and all that sort of stuff. When he saw what we had, he just pissed himself. What the face? How the fuck are you surviving with that? And I went, well, we ain't, are we? He went, leave it with me. I'll sort it out. And within a week, he'd made phone calls and had conversations. And we got full driving licenses, signing on cards, you know, a little uh, driving, you know, all that stuff. All the stuff that you would need that you could just leave lying around. That you would never advertise it. You'd just leave it lying around. Mm. So um, we'd do all that. And, so you had a um, bank story now, you proper. Yeah, and they really, really helped. But so we were with, we'd been to a game, and unbeknownst to me, we were doing up a property. So we had a property that we um, that I'd bought that um, that we were doing up in order for our cover. That was part of your cover. That it yeah. Wasn't? Okay. So we were painting and decorating with them, doing it up in Catford. I wasn't aware of this. But Chris had told them that we were doing this property up in Catford and given them the name of the road. So they changed the venue on these pages, and we said, "Why they? Why we get home from this pub to that pub? It's fine. They want to meet in. They want to meet in a pub in Broccoli or whatever." So we went there, and we walked in. And the minute we, instantly we walked in, I fucking knew it was on top because it was just a completely different atmosphere. So they were all standing around the pool, and I'm like. And instantly, I just went, you're right. And he went, no, I'm fucking not all right. And I'm like, right? What was up? And he was like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, what are you on about? Who the fuck are you? And I went, what do you mean, who am I? And at that point, he's now grey, right? Chris is now grey. And is fucking just standing there. And I'm like, well, you know we are. So just Chris and Jim, and he went, you're fucking old Bill. And at that point, you've then, again, like the first night out, you've got two options. You either go run, <laughs> which weren't an option because we were fucking surrounded, or you front it out. How many of them were there? Six. Two of you, yeah. All fucking proper. 
any any one of those knock the shit out, kick the shit out of me. So you imagine what Chris was like. He was like, he got no chance. So I'm like, I mean, I might be, I might be, I might get a couple of punches in, and that was the fear, is that you know, because people do get very brave when it's not the people who hit you, it's the hanger hangers on you got to worry about who run in and then kick you in the head and then run out. And then the other one who comes in and stamps and jumps up and down on your head and then runs out. It's not initially the guy, because the guy lit you and then leave you. It's all what happens with all the other hanger-ons mm. who want to make a name for themselves so they all pile in. So I just went in my head. I went, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, you're old Bill. And I went, what the fuck do you mean? And he went, you weren't, you, you came down your house. And I said, what fucking house? He said, the house you're meant to be doing up in Catford. And I'm like, what fucking house in Catford? And he's then started, you know, that fucking house in this Glenfarg Road, the house you're meant to be doing up. And I went, what are you fucking talking about? So what the fuck's, you know, I've turned up Chris. What the fuck's he talking about? Chris is like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fucking hell. And I went, what fucking hell? And he went, the one. And I went, Catford. The house in Catford. I went, yeah. We ain't there, mate. I said, we ain't doing that. Up. I said, why would we be there? He said, we went down there. The fucking roofers were there. They were doing. And I went, Mate, we're painters and fucking decorators. We ain't going to be there painting and decorating and doing a fucking roof, are we? So we haven't been there. So we've been in Wandsworth all week. I thought the only option here is I'm just going to have to go for it. So I just went, I've had a fucking enough of this. So you think you're accusing of old Bill, right? Come on, me and you will have a fucking, come on in. Me and you, let's have it. And he's got there, he's got the fucking pork here. And I thought he would have absolutely ironed me completely out because he was a really strong guy. And um, the others all intervened. No, 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 calm down, calm down. No, 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 Jim, it's fair enough, isn't it? I said, what the fuck are you talking about? So I then stormed off outside and I'm now, I've gone out of the pub, fresh air, walked out, absolutely, arse is hanging out like a windsock at this point. I'm now absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. And I've left silly bollocks in there. So I'm like, what the fuck is he going to say? Oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, after about what felt like a fucking lifetime, which was probably only about 30 seconds, Dave and Martin and the other guys come out and he's walking up towards me and I'm like, oh. And he just put his hand out and he went, I'm so sorry, mate. He said, just with everything going on, I'll be too careful. So I'm like, shook his hand, gave him a went in, I don't worry about it, I understand it. I said, don't fucking ever do that again. He went, no, no, no. He said, but you can see my point. I went, no, I fucking can't see your point. I said, the fuck are you going on about? I said, what are you doing coming down, checking up on me anyway? Fuck. So just went aggressive. Well, no, you know, no, we weren't. We were just, we were in the area and we were going to come down. I said, well, fucking don't. I said, I'll meet you at football. I said, you ain't my fucking dad coming up and checking up on me. And we do that. Anyway, we then decide we're going to go to a different pub because the atmosphere in there wasn't great. <laughs> just the landlord's now shitting himself. So we walked to a different pub and we walk in. And then it was at that point when I knew I'm going to have to do something that is going to convince them because there's still that element of doubt. So I'm going to have to really think. And it just... I just got lucky. So they all started playing. Dave Lee Travis used to do this thing on Radio 2. He was a DJ on Radio 2 and he used to do this thing called Pot Black. And he would ask questions. And if you had a Red Bull, it was a one-point question. And you'd answer the question, the one-point question, and they'd pop the ball. And then you'd pick a colour. So if you picked a yellow, it'd be two points. So it'd be a re relatively easy question. If you picked a black ball, which was seven points, it was a really hard question. And they turned it into an arcade game. So it was Dave Lee Travis's pot black game where they ask you questions. So you ask the red question and then you can choose the colours on the machine as to what you want to do in order to build your total up. And we all, they all started playing it for beers. Whoever gets the 
least points that, that gets the question wrong, get, buys the beers. So they're playing it, they're playing it, they're playing it, and then it's my turn. So I get up and the question comes up and I stand there and I'm looking at it and I'm like, uh, um, uh, and they're all like, it's a red point question. It's really easy. I can't fucking remember what that question was, right? And I couldn't remember. I went, ah, fuck it, I'll just get the beers. And they're all like, so I went up, got the beers, sorted the beers out, came back. They went around the loop again. One of them got a question wrong. It was like, I mean, unbelievably easy, but he got it wrong. So he went and got the beers. Then it came to my turn again. And it came up and there was a red ball question. And it was the gospel truth. This was the question. Who won the World Cup in 1966? No. England. Yes. Well, it wouldn't be New Zealand, would it? <laughs> so, no, it wouldn't be. <laughs> so I'm there and I'm looking at it. And they were like, Jim, Jim, go on, answer it, answer it. I'm like, oh, fucking, uh, fucking, uh. And they're like, and you can see them all looking at each other. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And then I just turn around and grab Chris by the throat and just go, oh, I can't fucking believe you've told them. I can't fucking believe it. Why have you fucking told them? You're fucking embarrassing me, all this sort of stuff. Chris has absolutely no idea what I'm doing here. Right? He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, fucking you can't, I can't fucking believe you've done that. And then let go of him. And then go, it ain't my fault. I can't read them right. Right. And they all went, he hasn't told us. And I went, do you know what? I've had a fuck enough of you lot today. Why don't you all just fuck off? So I just walked out, walked out. So I'm out, I'm now outside the pub again, right? I'm the outside the pub bloke that day, right? So I'm outside the pub. Again, left him in there like, he's going to go, he can read. What's up with him? He can read and write. I don't know what his problem is. Oh, Chris. <laughs> but Chris didn't. Bless him. He just kept quiet. And they came out. And then they all they did was apologise. And they went on about the fact that, you know, so sorry, we didn't know. We didn't need to put you in that thing. And I'm waiting then. We're now, we're now back in. We're all drinking. They're all, they've stopped playing the game. We've had three or four beers. And we're now walking to the ground. And I'm waiting for somebody, please, for the fucking penny to drop. And it did. And one of them just went, fucking Dave, 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 fucking hell, just think about it. You just accused him of being old Bill. He can't even read them fucking right. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. And that was it. You're in. Sounds like a brilliant idea, doesn't it? What an amazing, yeah. like, what, a, what a brilliant, what a fucking mistake that was. Because then for 18 months, I have to then make out I can't read or write. And they, you know, we're driving down the motorway and it's like, we go to Leicester, it's like Hinkley, off here, off here. Like, I come off at the right, what are you doing coming off here? This ain't the right turn. You told me to come off. Can't you read and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, and part of you is going like that. Oh, fuck's sake. And you just come back onto the, you know, oh yeah, 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 that was funny. And then, yeah, and that's what you did. And I, I fucked up once. What'd you do? So we were at Arsenal and we got on the tube at Angel. And we were on the tube and we were going to, I think it was Charing Cross. And we came into the station and I went, right, boys, all right, we're off here. And Dave went, how do you know to get off here? He said, I thought you couldn't fucking read. And I looked at him and I went, I remember I looked at him and I went, I can't read. I said, but I can't fucking count. I said, it's five stops from the angel. And he went, oh, yeah. Got off. It's fucking six stops. Shit. He never checked, never counted. Oh. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millwall. West Ham rivalries. Oh, mate. That was massive, right? You guys got drawn against Millwall for the Simul Cup. Simul Cup. I mean, talk me through Talk me through why it's such a big rivalry and then, and then we'll get stuck into the day because it's big. People people have been killed at, at, the, at West Ham Millwall. There was a thing back with the Dockers back in the 20s, as they, they say, in relation to East End Dockers came out, the South London Dockers didn't. So they they broke you know they were scabs the or whatever it was stuff. the strikes and yeah. stuff they even come out on the strike I think it's you know and I think that was part of it but I just think they just don't fucking like it Johnny we get we come into the Mile End we start walking down the Mile End Road which is now and it's about must have been about three o'clock something like that and there's about 150 of us and we're walking down the Mile End Road and I've not been West Ham before so it's first first time so I've heard of it you know we were going to Upton Park. Uh, as it was then, and we're walking down. And then all of a sudden you can see people starting coming out of shops and we're singing, No One Likes Us, and doing all, doing all the songs and all the bits and pieces. And then we, um, and we came, then we went dark, and there was, there was a good, yeah, good 150 of us. And, and then the police have like started trying to turn up because we've, we've come really early. Mm. I look across the road and there's this geezer comes out of the kebab shop with the biggest fucking knife you've ever seen in your life. Honestly, it was like, you know those things when they cut the donut with? Yeah, yeah. Big, one of those fuckers. Like a machete. Right, and I looked and went, oh my fucking God. And then all these vans started pulling up and people started coming out and it's, it was clear, right, that, that we was going to come on top. And we'd gone from 150 to 120 to 100 to about, there was about a quarter of us of about 45, 50 left walking. Because people had slowly gone, fuck this, and slipped off. So we're singing. And one thing you never do at football is run. You just don't run. You don't, you just don't run. You just don't do it. You start to stand and all that stuff. It's like that. It's, I've seen the geezer with the big knife. And then I've seen it. And they've all started to come coming out of the vans and stuff. And I remember I looked at them all like this, right? And then we all stopped and they went, stand me all. And I went, fuck that, run. And we all went, Dunk. everyone, mate, fucking everyone. Because we were, we would have been absolutely, we'd have had to cut, cut our fucking head off. Everyone just went, fuck that. And just went, Dunk. 
because we were well over. We were at that time. That was like feet or like flee or flight. That was one of those. You're like, fuck, I'm off. Yeah. About four of us. They're took, chasing after you as well. Yeah, but we've gone through this estate and we've got and we end up in this chemist. I remember running into the chemist with Dave and Martin and Stu and all that, and we're in there. And Dave's handing me, take this, take this. And I, at the time, I didn't even think about it. I'm standing there and I'm sitting like this with these two cans. Spray them, spray them. Like that, like, away. No one comes in. We're there for about 10 minutes. It's got all these old people in there collecting their prescriptions. And they're like, the guy from the thing comes up and goes, I, think, um, I don't think your friends are coming. I think, think you, you can go now. And we're like, yeah. Like, and at that point, I look down and I've got two cans of silver cream. You know, that gold, like gold hairspray. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with that? He went, I don't know. He said, I just handed you what, what I got. And I'm like, okay, I suppose I could do their air. I suppose we can make them anyway. We came out. We then slipped back, started making our way to the ground. Like we got there for like, in the end, it was about half five. And then by this stage, Chris turns up with a big fucking gash on his eye and his glasses, again, all fucking busted. And um, I mean, in his defense, he could have gone. I've been attacked by, you know, but actually it transpired that he hadn't been. He jumped on a bus and in order to try and blend in with the people on there, he picks this old lady shopping up while he was on the bus. He picked the shopping up. She thought he was going to nick his shopping. She's turned around and smashed him over the head with her umbrella <laughs> and cut him. Cut his head open on the thing. Oh. He got battered by the old lady because he was trying to nick her shopping. Of all the things he would have been expecting. So we then got there and we were like sort of herded into this like space. And then I was there. And then two of the other two guys that were also, that were working with us, so Charlie and Eddie, as they referred to in the book, People started, you know, it started, we were singing and stuff. And then this like group of about six people started coming towards us. And they were like, clearly not Millwall. And that I knew who they were instantly. They were fucking, like, they were just plain clothes policemen. They had two women with them, which is like, which at that point was a no no. Mm. And they were, two of them were wearing barber jackets. And like, you're like, oh, that's a proper giveaway. Like no one fucking wears and a barber jacket and a flat cat. You're like, fuck, mate. We all know it anyway. It started getting confrontational. And then they obviously panicked and pulled their truncheons out. Back, back. And one of the guys that we were working with went, fucking calm down. And this bird smashed him in the bollocks with the truncheon. Just went whack. He's gone down like a sack of shit. One of the guys you were working with. One of the... Um, Charlie. Yeah, it's gone down, right? He's fucking rolling around. It's been done in a bullet by a fucking truncheon. So we're like, fuck. So we get away. We get into the ground. And it was, it's, I've never experienced, well, I have, but it was the first time. They'd properly, they wanted to fucking kill us, mate. And it was like, no one watched the football. Everyone just sang at each other for 90 minutes. And it was just, I thought we're fucking not going to get out of here. And they, they kept us in. They kept us in the ground for like forty-five minutes. Were there any scraps at the ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kicking off all over the place. Really? What were the, the people cop, had the cops from between you though? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was well policed. And what? what how would the fights happen? Would you charge through the cops? Or? No, 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 no. They would be. That would be. Some people would have gone into the home end, oh. or would have gone into the east end or the west end or wherever it was at, yeah. at that point. Didn't you do something like that at Arsenal? Yeah. 
So we drew we drew Arsenal in the fourth round of the FA Cup, which um, was a was a big thing. Uh, and then there was all the press speculating the week before the game that we were going to. So Arsenal used to play at Highbury, and then obviously now at Emirates. But uh, and they had the North Bank and the Clock End. So the Clock End was where all the visiting supporters went. So there was probably a week of the media saying that Millwall were going to nick the clock. So we were going to turn up and we were going to nick their clock. Um, which was, How big did you say the clock was? The clock's fucking enormous, mate. It's like, I'm not saying you could stick under your arm and walk out with. It's like, you know, it'd be, it's going to be like, it'd, be, it'd take a number of you and some scaffold. You know, it's like, but, you know, whatever. We'll try and nick the clock. So it was good, it was good PR. They put good press, I suppose. We turned up and effectively, the, um, as we were coming, Paul came around, the, the, uh, the landlord guy came around and went, where are you going? And I went, well, we should go. He went, no, come with us. So I went, and I've seen, there were guys that I've not seen before. You're at Highbury. So at Highbury, yeah. So we're walking, and we're at the North Bank, which is like the Arsenal, away end, uh, Arsenal home end. So I'm like, and we're, we're in the queue. So I went, back then, you just, you just turned unpaid. So we're in the queue, and I'm thinking, fucking we're in the queue. Like, so we walk, fuck, what's, what we gonna, is he going to kick off in the queue? Gets the turnstile, pay our money, walk in. And fucking, okay. So we walk in, start walking up the steps to the North Bank. I'm like, okay, right, what's going on? We get up. Anyway, we are now standing in the middle of 8,000 Arsenal. Surra- I'm surrounded by 14, 15 of the fucking proper tastiest geezers I've ever seen and there's me and From Chris Millwall. and Chris yeah 15 of 15 fucking top geezers right so top I'm geezers like, by like top top, top of the Millwall firm fucking there. geezers right so I, I, I most of which I, apart from the landlord I've not ever seen before so I'm like fucking hell right so we're standing there and then the geezer is obviously clocked I'm a little bit nervous right he went Son, don't worry, mate. You'll be fine. Went, You'll be fine. He went. He had this leather coat on. Lifted his ear. We went. Stay by, by me. And he's got a six-inch stiletto knife. Shit. Like this. So I'm like, oh my fucking god. I'm gonna die. I thought. I mean, now I'm now in the middle of the fucking North Bank, with surrounded by fucking eight thousand Arsenal, and the geezer's got a knife. So I'm like, I've got to tell. My sergeant, I've got to go. We're in. Fucking, what are we going to do? So I remember I'm standing there like this and I went, Chris, Chris, Chris. It's fucked off. <laughs> so I've turned around and he's gone. And I've looked up and he's walking up the terraces. And I'll get to his dad. I'm going to give him his due. He's looked down at me. He's gone, fuck that. Like this, right? He's walked off. So I'm now standing there thinking, he's gone. He's bottled it. He's gone. And it's me and 15 of Millwall's finest. And whilst I'm contemplating what I'm going to do, they start singing No One Likes Us in the middle of 8,000 Arsenal. So they're No One Likes Us. No One Likes Us. And I'm like, No One Likes Us. I'm going to die. And I have to finish it. If people people have been football when it's kicked off, it's like this, suddenly there's this quite quiet moment before it all goes. Crazy on switch like that. If you you know, if you go into battle or whatever, I don't know. But it's like, fortunately, not experienced that. But it just went, and there was just this ring of people around us, 
as we stopped singing. And then this guy, there was one, starts stepped out and starts running towards us. And he's running towards me, clearly because I'm the smallest. And I'm like, oh my Lord, I'm going to die. This is it. It's all on top. And just as he comes towards me, one of the guys just steps in front of me and just goes and hits this geezer straight on the fucking chin. So hard. It's like, it's properly hard that he goes completely backwards and then just falls. And as he falls down, he just his head just, because it was all just concrete terraces, just cracks onto the concrete terrace. Oh. And everyone, everyone, including us, just goes, ooh, like this. And then, as if by magic, right? This, the sort of crowd opened, and then these two little guys come out and grabbed him by the ankles, pulled him back, and the crowd opens, they pulled him back, and the crowd just closes. It was like something out of Ben Hur. They just like picked him up, pulled him, it's opened, it's closed, and then we're all standing there, and then all hell fucking broke loose. He just kicked off. And one thing that you learn very early on in that scenario is you fucking never go down. Do not go down. If you go down, you're fucked. You've got to stay up. So I'm now running, flailing, people screaming, people chasing me, people punching me, I'm kicking people, I'm doing this for, I'm like, is it, you're by yourself almost by the stage? Or Everyone is in it, yeah. but you're by yourself because yeah. all your head is just like... It's, you're not you like just got, some Roman army that's like organised. You're no, like fucking not, full on no, script. We ain't, no, we ain't centurions, mate. <laughs> we are fucking absolutely one... Or fucking the three musketeers. We're like, no one's one for one, all for one. We're all fucking fighting for ourselves now. So I spill out onto the pitch. Okay. And no one's there. I've got to the bottom and no one's followed me. And I turn around and they're all fucking screaming and shouting at me and then I get nicked. So geezer jumps on me. And I, fortunately, I didn't get the... Cops have got, yeah. Let's beat everyone up with the... T- I got the fat bloke who eats cake. <laughs> so he's got me and I'm like, he's putting my arm up my back. Now what he should have done is he should have gone past the goal and down to... Because what you used to have to go down the player's tunnel there when you when you got nicked at Arsenal, you went down, they took you down the tunnel. It was the only only exit out of the, at the time of the state, from what I remember. You out of the stadiums was they'd nick you and take you down the players' tunnel and then turn you off. What he should have done is he should have gone that way and taken me down. The, but he didn't. He leads me around the pitch the wrong way towards ten thousand mill. So I'm now being led towards ten thousand mill. Who are going because they've seen it all kick off in the north stand. They've now seen one of theirs being nicked, and I'm now being led around the pitch. Right, so I'm walking, and I'm when I did my one-man show, one of the guys came up to me and went, showed me a picture of one of the guys and said, you recognise him? And I went, yeah, he said, that was my brother. He was in the North Bank with you. Do you remember when you walked past us and it all kicked off in the seats? And I went, yeah, and that was me. He said, I've jumped up with another couple of guys cheering. I said, how did you get on? He went, we got absolute shit kicked out. He said, we got absolutely slaughtered. He went properly. He said, I've never been beaten up that bad ever. And I'm like, and I was a guy, yeah, it was called Bob. And I went, how bad? He went, proper bad. He went, all your fault. He went, it was worth it. So all the all the Millwall boys that you you, you were with at the start got absolutely hammered. Um, no, these were another. These were these were in a different part of the ground. They were in the seats as I got led past. So we had the North Bank, then you had the. Oh, so another section. another group. Got, yeah, they they did the same thing. They jumped up and went, yeah, because I was getting led around the pitch and I'm fucking waving and cheering. I'm having my moment, and uh, they got slaughtered. Because they jumped up and started cheering and then it all kicked off. 
He said, you remember when it kicked off in the seats when you went past me? Yeah, he went, that was me. I said, how did you get on? He went, I got absolutely battered. He said, we got slaughtered big time. I went, right. He said, but he said, you know, it is what it is. And then this guy's walking with me and I can tell as he's walking, he's getting more and more nervous because he's walking towards 10,000 mil. And they were all, anyway, I thought, I've got a chance here. He ain't fucking holding on to me hard enough. And I broke away from him and then ran towards the mill wall. And most of the police officers that were there were mill wall spotters and mill wall police. They were the ones that followed me all the time because they were all standing there spying. So they all had their back to me. They were all watching the crowd. And there was a couple, I just managed to zig through one and then I just dived in the crowd. I dived in the crowd and crawled up. And then by the time I stood up, I was in the middle of the clock and no one was coming in then. And I'd lost my, I had a scarf and a hat and my jacket had gone and I had something else. And then from that on, it was like, I sort of did all right after that. That like, that moment in, in becoming a hero, like you were at this point starting to really, really enjoy your work a little bit too much almost. It's a difficult one that is because when you do, when you do that sort of work, it's a, it's a bit like why I became an actor, I suppose, is you, you have to immense yourself, you know, you immerse yourself into your role. So I was a football hooligan. That was my job. Yeah. I wasn't going to be a football hooligan sitting in the family enclosure eating boiled, boiled sweets. It wasn't going to happen. So I had to be. And if you're a football hooligan or infiltrating football hooligans, then at some point and at some times in that situation, you're going to have to defend yourself or you're going to be in a situation where it's going to be you or someone else. I never went, I never ran at somebody with the intention of punching them in the head. But if someone was running at me and they were going to punch me, then my argument was they were going to punch me. So therefore I'm, I'm defending myself. The fact that I'm in this situation is not by, is, is by choice, but actually I'm there to do a job. So I'm, he's not going to punch me before, so I'll punch him before he punches me. Ultimately, to do, whether it be um, um, as, a fo- as a football league or in whatever element or part of undercover policing that you do, is, you know, there are times when you are going to have to make really difficult decisions and you are going to have to trust your, you know, morally and legally whether or not what you're doing is, you know, and I'll hop back to this, but it is ultimately the, the be all and end all of everything, is whether what you're doing is in the public's interest. Is, you know, could you put your hand on your heart and say, I did that, not because I enjoyed it. I did it because ultimately I was trying to do a job. Mm. And that's what it all comes down to um, for me. Mm. And could I put my hand on my heart and say that on every occasion I did it for all those reasons? I can, apart from one time, which was Middlesbrough. Let's talk about Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough was... (sighs) We went to Middlesbrough, it was fucking really badly policed. We were treated like shit um, by the police, pushed around, trying to incite stuff, trying to... Um, the police were doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, aren't we, you know, you think, you know, you haven't you have been to Middlesbrough and all this. So it's just like, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, mate. Well, actually, we, we've, been to some, we've been to some shitty places. It's not just Middlesbrough and where police are, you know, just the same as you. It's fine. And we got on, and then they started. They just started lobbing things, bits of brick, bits the of fan, like, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough fans. And you know, there were kids and women there. You know, it was a big game for Millwall. Was you guys? Like, so we were. You know, it was. It was a. It wasn't full of. You know, 
thousand Millwall football hooligans. It was full of, you know, some you know people that travel away. You know, took their kids and you know, there were dads with their kids and there were women and all that sort of stuff. And they just throwing lumps of concrete, um, just over. Nothing was happening. Fuck. And I remember going up to this fucking twat, another fucking um, over. Calculator. Yeah. Sergeant bloke with his fucking and I just went up to him, mate. What the fuck's going on here? And he just went fuck off down there with your other scummy mates. I went, mate. They're throwing fucking concrete and fucking sharpened coins and fucking all sorts of shit. What the fuck are you doing about it? And he just went fuck off, or I nick you. So we go down, and effectively we got pelted, which is you know all right. It's, it is what it is. That's what they were going to do. People were getting incensed. The game finished. Normally, you would get held in the ground for 15 minutes, fucking gates straight open. No police. Just no one Just let you guys out straight away. Just let us out. And we've got one way to walk, which we're walking, and we're walking towards a park. We're walking towards a park. There's about 100 of us, people there with, you know, everyone going about, I can't fucking believe that. That was fucking outrageous. You know, like, you know, that. And we came over, and as we came over, there were about, you could just hear, and there was about 100, 150 Middlesbrough at the, the other end of the park. And we were all walking. There was about 80 of us. Then it went down to about 70. And then eventually there were about a core of 40, 50 Millwall that had all driven, that were all like sort of, for want of a better word, relatively up for it, I suppose. And um, they came over and just charged us. And at that point, I'm not going to lie, that wasn't Jim, the undercover policeman. That was Jim, I've had a fucking nothing. If you want to have a fight, you can fucking have it. And that's what happened. And they ran into us and I just fucking lost my temper. That was that. And then... Good scrap though. You getting a few can't fucking shots. remember it. I just remember getting pulled off of the WPC or I had ran the throat on the floor. A woman police officer. Yeah. Covered in blood and that was it. So you got into this big scrap and then you can't remember anything until you remember. I just had, I broke my, I, I, my hand wasn't in a good place. And you remember and I coming bumped to some stuff you, on my head. I just, I just, whether I choose not, I chose not to remember it. I don't know, but I, I definitely hit a few people for sure. hundred fucking percent. I was absolutely, I'd had enough big time. You know, and it was like, well, it was, and it was almost, you know, we spoke about this afterwards as the, the four of us, because we were all there. Just said, you know, they fucking let this. They just led us into that, for sure. The police, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that they'll argue that they they did, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think other other teams, travelling teams, had had the same experience. You started to get to be like, I mean, we talk about Dave and Paul. They were like really nice guys. Yeah, you you, you were good mates with them until a point where. Dave was buying you presents and buying presents for your fictional child. Yeah, I know. Fuck, how was that? Like, because like we had a day. There was a day. There was a day where everything t- for me turned. Stu comes up to me and he says, "Oh, we look, Dave, we got you these." And they were um, Peter and Jane books, which were books that basically, when you're five or six or when you're at primary school, they're books that help you read. And they'd been clearing a house out. And they'd found them in the loft of this house that they were clearing out. And so they said, we think this might help. Oh. And I'm like, 
Little do they know I'm this snidey fucking no good who's making out being their friend is how what it felt like. Trying to get evidence off them and using them in order to elevate me up the ladder of um, undercover policing, for want of a better word, within the football hooligan environment. And these guys are having the... I've already bought me kids presents for this fictitious kid that I've said I've had. In order, and the reason I did that is so that I could use it as an excuse if we weren't there one weekend, the uh, baby wasn't well or it wasn't good. They thought enough to be able to go, well, oh, we can give them to Jim because it might help him with the reading. And I remember I just go out, went to my van and put him in, and I just remember standing there looking in the mirror, just going, You're some sort of a cunt. What the fuck are you doing here? Even stiff, like you, the, the barmaid, you, you were falling in love with her. Like, there is a. Like, if you'd seen her, you'd have fucking fallen in love with her too. You got any photos? Or you, no, mate, sadly not. I've, Try it. No, no, no. <laughs> Looked her up on Facebook. No. Again, and I, you know, is I, she, she not, she, she had thought, I think maybe it was more wishful thinking on my part, but, um, you know, we had an attraction. That's what people do. And, you know, people mm. have attractions to each other. And um, she had not fallen in love with, because that's the, that's, that's the, I can't speak for her. She had seen something in me and actually it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't actually who you were. No, she'd fallen in love with something, or she she'd fallen in love with the illiterate painter and decorator. You know, my my stock phrase was, "What do you do for a living, really?" And I said, "Well, I work one day a year. It's really, really stressful, but it pays fucking really well." And they're like, "What's that? Fucking work it out for yourself." And they just used to leave it at that. And you know, there's only two or three jobs that you can do. It's like you can you either you either do a massive big drug deal once a year and you earn your money out of that at that time or you rob banks or you rob rob you rob post offices. So they, I just left it for them to make their mind up as to what they thought that was. So she'd fallen in love with this illiterate painter and decorator from South London, from Wandsworth, when actually what she was, what she'd been attracted to was a snidey two-faced, no good undercover copper who was trying to fucking get her brother-in-law put in prison. Did you think you were going to get caught? Like, you must have thought at some point. No, mate, gonna... because I was fucking arrogant. Yeah. And you have to have that element. No, if you... The minute, the minute in that in that environment that you think, no matter where you're doing, because I didn't just do football either, where you're doing undercover stuff, you know, I put in quite a lot in, in my time of what I, when I was doing that. If for one just millisecond... You think you're going to get caught and it's not for you. Mm. Because the minute you doubt yourself, you're fucked. You just can't do that. That's, and that's similar in, you know, I employ that in business. The minute you don't believe in your product, the minute you don't believe in, you know, your staff, the minute you don't believe in what you're trying to achieve, you ain't going to achieve it. That's pretty good advice, actually. So it's really, really important that, you know, that you, in whatever you do, it's not just, not just, undercover policing I've been very fortunate to have done many things as a result of that you know I was very conscious that it was a really big part of my life but it wasn't going to fucking define my life mm. you know, but it was a big part of what I did my, of that life and it, it, it I grew up you know and it was a fantastic um, experience not for everyone you know but for me at that time and where I was and what it's done is it's, you know it's a, it's, it, it, it really helped me become the person I am. So the minute you doubt yourself, it's in anything. 
you know, whether you're a professional sportsman, whether you're, you know, you're an elite athlete, whether, whether you, you know, you're, a, you're running a business, whether the minute you doubt what you're doing and you or you start to sow seeds, everyone else will doubt you too. What about when, because Jerry and Charlie, the, the other two guys, yeah. so there's you and Chris and Jerry and Charlie that were undercover and yeah. same, like going around, they got sussed. At some point you must have been like, and talk me through that situation because that must have been like, holy fuck. These these guys know who who again down to fucking inability of senior officers or to to be given credible support is you know they wanted they wanted a vehicle they wanted a, they wanted a van they wanted to, you know they wanted to you know what they should have done was just going and fucking bought it themselves but they didn't they got given something by they got given an old van and it was a fucking old police van. <laughs> And it's just like, I mean, it's fucking comical. And they're driving it's around in it. Funny. And no, but they didn't realise it was sprayed, all sprayed, so it's all covered. But when something's had transfers on it, right? So, which they are, so you pull that transfer off. So they pulled the transfer off and then just given it, they've just like buffed sprayed over it. When they picked it up, they picked it up, they've done that, they've gone down, they've parked it up. Because the way the fucking light was shining, you could suddenly see police running across the fucking side of the van. Oh my days! They had no fucking, they had no idea. It was just because of the way it was parked, the way that the light was falling on it, you could just suddenly see it and go, the "Fuck's that!" And you could see by this angle, and because suddenly someone's gone, "There's police outside." What are you on about? Said, "There's police outside." It's a fucking, it's an, under, it's an unmarked van. Because again, they're a bit fucking stupid because they're like, "Who would drive around?" So, who would drive around in, in an undercover van with police written faintly on the side of it? Undercover police. But, you know, you'd think that no one would do that. It wouldn't be that fucking stupid. Mm. So, in their defence, they had no idea. So, they'd gone out of the pub and got in the van thinking we've got a van and we've fucking everyone's gone, fucking them two. Then they started questioning him and they, they just didn't, they didn't really back up. They just, it didn't stack up. And because I then had the landlord of the pub go, because I... your mate. Paul go, you need to mark your card here. Those two, the fucking there. He said, they're fucking undercover old people. I went, no, they're fucking not. And he went, do you know his fucking mum? And I went, no. He went, there you go. He went, I'm telling you. He said, they're fucking, watch them. Oh, fucking hell. So I can't defend them. Yeah. Because if I defend them too much, suddenly it's like. Didn't you, didn't you think that, yeah, because you thought they were going to suss you at the same time, didn't you? Yeah, so I had to go again. I went, he fucking better not be. And if he is, I'll fucking, let's go and sort him out and do all the, no, 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 let's just calm it down. We'll just leave it with us. Paul was saying, just leave it with just us. Just calm it down. And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and it's like, you go back and just, you know, and no one likes to be found out. No one likes to be sussed. They were absolutely, and it wasn't their fault. Yet again, again, through inability and people not doing their job properly and just thinking, not concentrating, but you know, just not treating it with the respect it deserves. So all this is all this is going on. You've got two mates that have been sussed out. Um, you two are still undercover. How do you get out of this situation? They would have had to have stopped. They had all these plans about how they were going to get themselves back in with 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 their guys, and they just said, you know, it was. I just bought it at auction, but the, it was the fact that. Paul had picked it up. It was it. That was at that point where you just go, "You're going to really struggle here," because he's no fucking idiot. And when you start, you didn't have to dig very deep. 
It wasn't like this complex layer of cover. It mm. really wasn't fucking hard. Just like you're too little. I mean, you'd be like, oh, right. It really, really were living on your wits. And still at that point, you know, you was, you, there was elements, but the backstories were weak. The support you were getting were non, was non-existent. Mm. You know, it was, you, you really were living by your wits. And then it would have just been me and Chris. And it transpires, not at the time that we didn't know this, that, that Chris had gone. You know, literally, as, as he walked up the terraces at Arsenal, I'm out. I think he fucking at that point, he's like, I'm fucking out, out. I'm properly out now. Yeah. Um, you operation know, over. You know what? Fucking, this is just getting ridiculous. Yeah. I've got, I've got a loose fucking cannon who wants to fucking fight everyone. His <laughs> excuse, his, his excuses, is, you know, is that he's trying to do the best job possible, which I was, but because we were, we were so diametrically opposed we were so far apart yeah it's like you just go you know I loved him to love him to bits I loved him to bits oh my god did he fuck up mm. you know but then so did I but he backed me you know and he you know he you know he supported me and as much as he could but um I think he had the conversation and went this needs to st- I don't want to do this anymore which we didn't know at the time because it, so the operation concluded on a phone call so we were just sitting in the office or our, our house that we had and uh, phone rang. He answered it and he knew it was coming. And he said, oh, right, okay. Oh, I'll let the guys know. He went, all oh, right, okay. Well, really? All oh, right, fine. And then he just turned around and went, boys, it's done. We're, we're finished. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Done, finished what? He went, it's finished. The operation's over. So I'm like, well, what about all the evidence? He went, I don't know. He said, they're just, they're just stopping it. Obviously, the movie came out, ID, um, yeah. which was based on your story. You, yeah, ID is a funny one. So, because everyone thinks, oh, ID is. I never wrote the screenplay to that. I wrote the original story to it, and I remember the the guy who wrote the screenplay getting really bent out of shape by so you'll keep telling everyone that you've written ID. And as I was at pains to point out to him, I said, "Look, mate, I said I've read your screenplay. Trust me, I wouldn't put my fucking name to that." So what are you fucking worrying about? There's no way I'm going to tell anyone that I've written that screenplay because it's fucking shit. There's parts of that that are fucking so bad, it's painful. But it's a really good story. I get that. So yeah, ID was a, was conceived in when I was... So I left. When I left, I, went, I thought the only job that opened to me really was to become an actor and try and convince people that I'm something else. And if I get my lines wrong, I get to do it again. Whereas on that job, if you get your lines wrong, you're in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> so, um, and thought that, because I'd managed to convince South London's finest that I was a drug dealing arm robber who couldn't read or write, that I could convince the great British public I was Henry V. Problem is you have to be given the role of Henry V in order to be able to convince those people this is that it. you can do that. This is it. And there's lots of other people that are better at it than you. So yeah, it was um, that process was interesting. The, the the leaving process and and moving forward on that front. And then the book running with the firm that's that's out now. Well, it's been out for a while, isn't it? Yeah. So the book was the book was written and was only written as a result of the other guys who were on the operation with me. Not so much Chris, but Charlie and Eddie saying, "Look, you know, the film got cult status. Um, I've watched the film once." So I've actually I watched it this week. So I watched the film at the premiere. 
and I've never watched it again um, for a number of reasons. Is one, I've lived it, I don't need to watch it, which I suppose is a bit arrogant, but it's true. Secondly, it's not particularly uh, an honest portrayal of what really went, went on, although it, it's quite good in places. So the bits that work are the bits that are true. Yeah, I noticed that. The yeah. bits that don't work are the shit that's made up. Like the end of the film is the poxiest thing in the world. Oh yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's just you know when they when you join the skinny, uh, it's you know I've never and I've never spoken about the film because um, it's really easy as a, a and the reason I never did, did is because I was an actor, so it's it's really easy to criticise people and to go oh, I could have done that better. I think the guy I think the guy that directed it, Phil Davis, did an amazing job, and there were and there were three standout performances. So Lee Ross as Gumbo. Is an amazing performance because he's a really good actor. Saskia Reeves, who plays uh, the, the sort of love interest. Uh, so both the girls, actually. Claire Skinner was really good. Uh, and Richard Graham, who plays Chris. Yeah, he was bang on. I, bang on. He had, bang he, it was, on a, really, it was a really, really good performance. And he, you know, he didn't, he didn't I don't think he, anyone got any of that from the script. I think they got that from, you know, from just their natural abilities as actors or, or, or and and both the girls were really good have you since have you seen any of the guys like i guess that would have been the big fear is that after you've come that you they would have found out that you were on a cover cop have you bumped into anyone i did that you used to run with i did a film for channel four with ewan bremner and uh ewan and i were playing skinheads and i don't know why i just went look fucking let's go to and dom actually it was me you and, and a guy called Dominic, who was also in it. And we went, um, I said, let's go to Millwall. And they're like, well, I mean, it's just, we all had shaven heads then. And we, we went in character. And and I was like 15 stone by the end of the operation. Long hair, two big hoops earrings. Look, I looked 35. I'd now was training really hard, was making sure that I was in a position where I could get as cast in as many things as possible. So I was quite, was really trim, really fit. No short hair. For some reason, I thought I could go there and be invisible. And I went with, as I say, with Ewan, who was actually, because of train sporting and that by that stage, was really quite well known. And and Dominic. And we were queuing up for tickets. And um, one of the guys was there. And I remember clearly, he just he just looked and went, what the fuck are you doing then? And I went, uh, he went, you on brave pills or what? And I went, yeah. He said we were, and he went, he said, what the fuck are you doing? And I went, well, we just did towards the football, and then Ewan's gone, yeah, hey, we're just here, mate. No fucking no, throw fucking shit in himself, going, oh my god, you know, thinking, oh, what is going to happen here? And I went, he said, what's this fucking film about? And I went, I said, well, you don't come out of it too bad, do you? And he went, yeah, but what about? Stu and I went, well, you know, what about? And I went, yeah. I said, well, that's a bit of artistic license. And he went, look over there. And I looked over there, and it was one of the main Millwall boys. He said, if he sees you, you're fucking, you're in all sorts of trouble. You think, just fuck off. And I went, right. He went, I've seen you in a couple of episodes of The Bill, though. And I went, oh, yeah. He said, we were, he said, oh, yeah. He said, and he said, and we went and saw that film you were in. He went, oh, my God. He said, how depressing was that? I went, did you go and see it? He went, yeah, of course we went and fucking saw it. I went, oh, right, okay. He went, don't come back down here again. And you was like, we won't, mate, we won't, mate. We're going now, we're going now. And we sneaked off. We sneaked off and then went 
around the back and went in the different entrance. Geez, you were on Brave Pills. <laughs> I would have been gone. So, uh, yeah, we did. And I've been a few times. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's, it's been a hell of a story. It's a pleasure. Hell of a story. Your book, Running With The Firm, you can get it wherever anyone sells any books. I got it from Amazon. Hell of a good read. Yeah, and you can get a, uh, I think you can download it now as well, I think. Yeah. You can get it on a Kindle or whatever. But yeah, no, it's, um, most of what went on is in there, but not not everything. What's, Maybe, miss- what's missing? Ooh, quite a fair bit. <laughs> but sadly, we live in a, we live in a, we, we live in a country that their libel laws are really, really, really tough. So, so I'm not going to get those stories. So, no, well, you will do, but not on camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and give us a review. It's what bumps us up the rankings, and we'll be back again with another episode next week. Thanks very much. Cheers, chaps. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.